Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 253 of Weekly Poker Hand. That's a lot of episodes of Weekly Poker Hand. If you have missed any of them, go back and watch them. They are all available on jonathanlittlepoker.com WPH. Also, you can find them on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash float the turn. If you are listening to this, well, thank you very much, but you're missing out on a video where I'm reviewing this actual hand that took place in a 5510 with a $20 straddle game at Stone's Gambling Hall. So I highly recommend you watch it, but I'll do my best to commentate it as well. If I ever do miss the turn card or something, please forgive me. It's, uh, it's difficult to remember to commentate everything. Anyway, here we go. We are playing 5-5-10-20. Folds around to Basie, who seems to be pretty active, and he raises the Jack-5 offsuit and the hijack seat. This is a substantial mistake. Especially as there are more and more blinds, you should actually raise with a tighter range from the other positions, like button cutoff, hijack, low jack, because you're against more random hands that could just be strong, right? When you're against only one blind or two blinds, you can raise very wide because there are fewer players yet to defend. But when there are more players yet to defend, you have to be quite snug. So, um, folds around, we see King Jack offsuit gets folded from the small blind, which I actually think is good. Um, in general, you have $5 in the pot, right? You're getting terrible pot odds, and you're out of position. So King Jack is just a good fold. That's a very strong adjustment there. 6-5 in the big blind folds, which is, again, fine. And Kathy folds in the third blind, and now... All around to Dan. He has to put in 70 bucks more with King-10 offsuit. And if we know Basie is kind of active, kind of aggressive, I think calling becomes okay. And, I mean, normally you don't really want to be calling with big offsuit cards from out of position. But in this situation, well, Basie raised the Jack-5 offsuit, right? He probably had a reason for this. Either he thought everyone he had to act as a super net, or maybe he just raises really, really, really wide. I've not seen enough of this play to say for sure, but if the guy's opening Jack-5 offsuit, which is one of the worst hands in poker, he's probably opening some uh, bad other worse hands too. Forgive me if you can hear my baby crying outside. I have a baby now, for those who don't know. I have a... How old will he be? He'll be about four months old at this point. So have fun with that if you find yourself in life. If you ever want to change your life significantly, have a baby and then have another baby. Anyway, we can still make weekly poker hand, but sometimes the babies are crying. All right. Here we are. He does decide to call. Flop comes queen, 10, 3. And Dan checks his middle pair, as he definitely should. Very clear marginal made hand. And Basie has to decide if he wants to bluff. Now, the problem with opening way too many hands is that inevitably you're going to flop way too much junk on the flop. Which, if you're playing or trying to play anywhere near balanced is going to result in you check folding a ton. And you don't really want to check fold, right? So how do you compensate for the fact that you're opening way too many hands? Well, you have to bluff a lot. So essentially, when you open way too many hands, what you are saying about your opponent's strategy is that you think they are going to fold too much to preflop and postflop aggression. Now, that may or may not be true, and it's up for you to decide. But for the most part, at least in my experience, and most kind of splashy 5, 5, 10, 20 games, most people don't fold too often by the river. So if anything, you should tighten up a little bit preflop and play mostly for value. That said, here we are. We have the Jack-5 offsuit on Queen-10-3. No backdoor flush draw for Basing. You know, I guess you're supposed to bet, right? <laughs> if you're going to be playing total garbage, you should probably run a bluff. 
on boards like this. So he does bet, pots 200, looks like he bets 110. And Dan, with his marginal made hand, has a very clear call in my mind. He has also the king of diamonds for a backdoor flush draw. So this is a great hand to call with. You can call on almost all turns. So this is a fantastic spot to call. Uh, Dan only does have uh, $900 in his stack. So there is some merit in just ripping it all in right here. But if you do shove, most likely Basie's going to call with only queens and better. Maybe he calls with like ace-10, maybe king-10, maybe jack-10. But mostly tens, or mostly um, queens and better are going to call you, and you lose to that range. Whereas if you call, you keep Dan in with all of his bluffs. Whenever you have a marginal made hand, or a good made hand for that matter, against a loose and aggressive player who is known for playing too wide of a range, you definitely want to keep them in the pot. Some people think, oh, but I really don't want a diamond to come, or I really don't want an ace to come. Like, yeah, there are a few cards that are not great for you, but more often than not, you just want to keep the guy in. Because, like, right here, Basie has three outs. And one of those, well, all of those give you an open-ended straight draw, and one of those gives you a, a flush draw, too. So you're really just not worried, especially if your opponent plays too wide of a range. So Dan does call, which is great. Turn is a 10. Hello. So now Dan has trips. Another spot where you should probably check. Now, if you were trying to play a game theory optimal strategy here, you should probably lead this 10 because Basie should check behind with a lot of his 10s on the flop, right? But he bets, so it means he doesn't have very many 10s normally. Um, so if you do think that, that means Basie's range is going to be mostly a queen, which should do a lot of checking behind, or draws, if they're using a fundamentally sound strategy of betting with their best-made hands and their draws, which we discuss over at PokerCoaching.com. Make sure you go there and get your free trial if you have not already. But in this scenario, because Basie is very clearly loose and aggressive, then we want to check because he has way too much junk in his range, right? Remember, when people play too loose and too aggressively pre-flop, they have too much junk on their range going to the flop, which leads to them either having to check down with a bunch of garbage, which certainly is not appealing, or bluff with a lot of garbage, which huh, is what most people decide to do. So anyway, I love the check by Dan. Question is now... Should Basie bluff again? And I just think the answer is obviously no here. The 10 is great for Dan because Dan's range should be a lot of queens and a lot of 10s and a lot of good draws like King Jack or Jack 9 or a flush draw. And none of those are going to fold to a bet. So given Basie is not going to be able to get Dan to fold very often on the turn, Basie's strategy should either be just to give up, which is what I would do, or bet turn and then jam river. So if you are going to bet the turn, you don't want to bet too big. You want to make a bet size that's going to keep Dan in with all of his marginal hands that will essentially allow you to bluff those on the river. If you bet too big on the turn, now he may call and then feel like he can't fold on the river. So right here, pot's 420. Looks like Basie bets 260. And I think he could probably go a little bit smaller, like 180 here. And obviously if he jams on you, it's fine. You had nothing. But by betting small, you'll keep him in with a wider range. Like, wouldn't it be great if he calls with pocket sixes? Because then you get to bluff that on the river. Or ace-jack, because then you get to bluff that on the river. But whenever you bet this size, I think Dan is now going to feel very committed with his queens. To the point he's just not going to fold those on the river. Um, so, notice Dan only has 820 bucks facing a $260 bet. Should he raise or should he call? Well, if he thinks Basie is playing just a good, strong, fundamentally sound strategy, I think you probably want to go ahead and jam it here. Because there are lots of draws available, and for Basie to bet twice, he probably has one of those draws, right? Or, or a strong made hand like a queen or an overpair. So you just want to get the money in immediately against those or protect your equity against those. But if Basie is playing way too loosely, the obvious exploit is to just call.
call and then check the river and giving him every opportunity to bluff. So maybe Dan will do that. He does elect to call, which I think is great. So far, Dan's played this hand perfectly. River's an eight of clubs, which is, you know, a reasonable... Oh, no. It's a reasonable card for a Basie to bluff on. But Dan leads all in for $560 into the 900 pot. This is a disaster, Dan. Dan, I just bragged about how well you played this hand. You definitely do not want to lead here because this allows Basie to fold all of his busted draws. Say he has King Jack. He's not going to call, but he maybe would bluff if you bet. What if he has Jack-9? Now you lose, and you, you have to lose all your money. There's a world where Basie bets like 100 bucks on the river for no good reason, and then you save money. So this is a horrible, horrible line by Dan. This line of check call, check call, then lead with your nut hands is so poor because you take away your opponent's opportunity to bluff. And given the way Dan played this hand, it's presumed that Basie is playing too many junky hands. And given Basie raised Jack-5 offsuit, it's obvious he's playing too many junky hands. So against someone who's playing too many junky hands, you have to check and give them every opportunity to run a bluff. <sighs> but Dan let all in. So now obviously Basie's going to fold and save 560 bucks. This is a substantial error because right here, I'm pretty sure Basie would have tried to bluff this river. And, I mean, I think if you find yourself on the river with Jack-5, it's not actually that terrible to try the bluff. So he certainly would have been at least kind of justified. But when Dan leads, he forces Basie to play well. When you force your opponents to play well, they can't mess up. And you have to understand, you win money when your opponents mess up. Every day it seems like I get a, an email, something along the lines of, how do you play against players who play all sorts of garbage? Well, you give them an opportunity to screw up, right? Don't complain about it that they're going to outdraw you sometimes because sometimes that jack-5 is going to make a pair and beat the king-10 or it's going to make a backdoor straight. But most of the time, those players are either going to have to check fold way too often, just letting you easily get to showdown, or they're going to have to run too many big bluffs, allowing you to easily hero call with middle pair and crush them. So do exactly what Dan did up until the river and then just check the river and check call. So that's going to be it for today. If you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand, let me know. You can let me know by clicking like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review on iTunes if this is where you're listening to it. But yeah, I like doing these videos for you. I, I appreciate all of you being here. I'm glad you all enjoy them. And I'll be back next week. Thanks for watching.